From the Ram Studio, connected by AT&T, welcome to Between the Horns. It is March 7th. I'm Miles Simmons. I am with DeMarco Farr. Our producer, sixth. Matt, is behind the camera. It is not March it's the 6th. Sixth. It's the sixth. He's trying to mess me up because I keep <laughs> messing up the date in the open. And I'm not trying to do that today, so that's good. You're We're, still in Indy. Uh, I'm not. You're my, still in Indy. My brain might be a little bit. It's 11.15 Pacific time yes. on Wednesday, March 7th. Good to be back in Los Angeles. Good to be with you, D. Did Barr. you run the 40 at the Combine? Did I run the 40? If you did run the 40, what would you run? Um, probably like a 5.9. A 5.9? Five, five, 8.5.9. Actually, and this is fun. it's would funny. Would you beat that you the kid from up. Oklahoma? Uh, oh, the, the, the tackle? Yeah. Uh, Orlando the five, Brown? The 5.8.5? Five. Yeah, that was, you know what? I, I, and it's funny that that happened like that because, you know, Orlando Brown's father was... A monster. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when something like that kind of happens, it, it makes me think, man, like, did you prepare for this? Yeah, hey, I wouldn't do sweat that. Do you yeah. that? Yeah. I'd, I'd still sure? go, I don't know. I'd still go see him at his pro day, and yeah. I guarantee you it, it would be better. I mean, I the combine is so. intimidating, man. Right. Uh, that, that's part of it. That's part of the evaluation process. I mean, you want to run a fast time, but sometimes that environment just gets to you. It's mm -hmm. weird. And yes. it, I think it got to him. I, you can't be that slow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And be that good. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the guy I saw on film. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, that's what everybody wants to, um, always says about the combine. You're trying to see what matches what you saw mm -hmm. on film. And if something doesn't match, if a guy's a little bit faster than that, then you got to go watch the film again. And if he's maybe slower than you saw on tape, it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, let me trust what I saw on this film and guys always talk about that i mean his diet could have been off whatever i mean he he, he might have been suffering through anxiety messed him up yes. yeah he'll he'll test better on his pro day but the guy in pads is a damn good football mm. player he'll he'll be on somebody's team soon right but exactly. you'll never be able to live that down yes i bet he wishes you ran if you ran a five probably nine. yeah no. I'm, I'm i'm thinking more of sixes by the way I don't, I don't think there's a five anywhere in your 40-yard No, I, I honestly think so. If you go on the Rams.com, this is okay. an actual true thing. And I don't know how you would find it, but yeah. back in 2015, so this is just okay. after um, the 2014 season, before the 2015 So we're talking combine, the past, okay. Yes. But it's only a couple of years three ago. Three years. Still, it's like three or four years. It's we're like, talking it's about three. the past. I'll okay. get it to you. We're talking yeah. about right now, but go All ahead. All right, fine. But there, there is a video of me running the 40. And you ran? I think I ran like a five eight something. Okay, I'm I'm pretty sure, but you know, obviously I would bet check the right tape. now we're in the sixes. I, I maybe right now, <laughs> right now after the week I just spent um, in Indianapolis. Anyway, indulging. Yes. Anyway, you got us on a weird start there. I love there, it. I love because it. Because yeah. I wanted to start. Did you with guys ever address the push up challenge? No. See, I didn't want to bring it up. The the push up challenge. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta keep See, there's a about... there's a part of that I want to bring up, but I'm not going to bring up because <laughs> I'm not that type of guy. I'm not we're... that type of guy. Why okay. are we talking about my fitness when we should be talking about the Rams? Because I haven't seen Rams. you in forever. We should be talking about the Rams franchising Lamarcus. We have plenty of time. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Let's get to it now. Okay, let's get right to it. <laughs> yes. All right. um, he didn't do 30 push ups though. I did not do 30 push ups. 27. But he still walked outside looking to get paid. Oh my God. See. <laughs> I'm not going to get paid. LaMarcus Joyner <laughs> anyway. is going to get paid. Yes, sir. Besides the franchise tender. Yeah. And that would be um, a one-year deal. But what was your reaction when you heard uh, yesterday mm. that the Rams had decided to franchise LaMarcus? Well, the last time we did a Between the Horns, we were talking about you give LaMarcus or try to give LaMarcus that long-term deal and you franchise Sammy Watkins. We did. Um, the, the alternative was to, okay, let Sammy test the market and you make sure LaMarcus never leaves the building. Either way... You have to keep LaMarcus Joyner in the mm -hmm. building. So, uh, smart move by the Rams. Um, tremendous player. 
Um, some guys, look, LaMarcus is never going to fit into what you think a free safety should look like. Um, especially this time of year when guys are being evaluated, like the combine. You're always looking for height, weight, speed type guys. Well, LaMarcus isn't very big, but it doesn't matter. He plays huge. He's a monster. And if you want great examples, and if you look at his stat column, stat sheet, it may not be that impressive. Missed four games. But look at weeks one through three, the run defense. And it was always leaky from game one, Indianapolis going all the way through. Some of these runs, Frank Gore could have popped. I think Carlos Hyde could have popped. But at the end of these runs is LaMarcus Joyner attached to the hip, legs, brings him down. Soon as he misses a game, Fournette goes. Uh, Alfred Morris goes. Um, things change. And I can't even count what happened against Washington because Maurice Alexander was still your starting safety, strong safety. Right. So that was a change there. But LaMarcus is a great tackler. He's a hitter. He's very smart. Um, I, I put him in the same category as an Earl Thomas. Earl is a little more instinctive. He's elite, but I think LaMarcus has a chance to get there. So uh, I think the sky's the limit. Smart move, not letting him walk out the building. Right. I think when you're talking about uh, LaMarcus Jr., you're still talking about a player who is ascending, right? Mm-hmm. Because Especially because he spent the first three years of his career um, with the Rams as a slot corner. Mm-hmm. And so then Wade Phillips comes in, and he's said this multiple times, but it's like, okay, LaMarcus Joyner is clearly one of your best defensive players. How do we get him on the field every play? You move him to free safety, and then you see the results. And, and then you get uh, LaMarcus Joyner coming up with three interceptions. And what's weird, he never had an interception before this mm-hmm. season. And that's kind of hard to believe because he's the kind of guy, when the ball gets in the air, he's moving. He's going toward it anyway. But he gets those three picks. He gets seven pass breakups. He gets a forced fumble up there in Seattle. And that gets you started on what was ended up being a really kind of a changing oh, of yeah. the guard game. Yeah, yeah. And so for those reasons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for those reasons, you have to keep LaMarcus Joyner in the building. Yeah. And it just makes so much sense for the Rams to do that. Well, he's on the same page with, say, Aaron Donald, 99. They vibe. They understand. Mm-hmm. And the way the 3-4 is constructed and the way you're playing it, say with Mark Barron and with Alec Ogletree, you're not the biggest set of linebackers in the world. Right. So every now and then there's going to be angles that they miss or running backs will get out. You better make sure you have a sure tackler back there. Right. A last line of defense that can run guys down. And going back to that Chris Thompson touchdown run mm. uh, when the Redskins were in town. Right. Well, guess who was draped all over that guy as soon as he crossed the end zone? Mm. LaMarcus Joyner. Mm. I mean, he's just he's a pure perfect free safety Um, playing out of position in a different scheme you put him in the right scheme I mean the sky's the limit that was just year one this defense is going to get better and so is this offense right and so is LaMarcus Joyner which means I think at some point you're going to be talking about him as the gold standard I I think so too and that's why you know he was going to be one of these coveted safeties Uh on the market in that I think the Rams knew that, yeah. you know, and even so, okay, we can, we're not going to go too much into the numbers of things, but with the franchise tag, you're probably looking at LaMarcus Joyner getting the average annual value of 11, the long-term. 11 you know, points? It's, it's 11-ish. Just yeah. under 12, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a good deal. So, yeah. and so when you have that versus maybe another, uh, another contract, like, I think it's a good starting point, is what I'm trying to say, for a long-term deal. And the Rams still have the chance to negotiate a long-term deal with LaMarcus Joyner through July 16th. That's when that deadline is this Absolutely. Year. Now you keep building around him. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's that's the whole point of this. You, you want to make sure. Like Rodney McLeod, when he was here, same thing. He was a complete safety. He was perfect for any defense. He got it. He understood it. Mm-hmm. He might be the best athlete on the team, definitely on the defense, and... 
like you said, he's a leader. He doesn't have to call plays, but just make sure nothing hits the end zone. So, uh, smart move. Now, the only question becomes, what becomes of Sammy Watkins? Yes. Yeah. Um, you're kind of rolling the dice there and hoping, but um, there is upside to Sammy Watkins. The problem is, I think everyone in the league sees it. Right. Yeah. So, you, you could lose that at some point. And there's... It's tough because Sammy Watkins was your second-round pick, basically, in this year's draft. Mm -hmm. And you've already spent that, but you got him for that production last season, right? You got eight touchdowns out of that. You got um, 39 catches, I think just under 600 yards, for Sammy Watkins in that second-round pick and EJ Gaines. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to throw that in there, too. Um, But... At the same time, now, say Sammy Watkins does sign elsewhere, you could, in theory, receive a third-round compensatory pick next year if he goes and you and he performs very well. Now, is that the ideal situation? No, of course you want... Does it help you for 2018? No. Right. Not right. really. That's the problem. It, it doesn't. And exactly, that is yeah. the problem because that second-round pick is in Buffalo for this particular True. player. But... I think with Sammy Watkins, clearly they still do want him back. And they. I feel like if you're the Rams and you're Sean McVay and you're Shane Waldron, pass game coordinator, and Eric Yarber, wide receivers coach, you can present something to Sammy Watkins where you say, listen, we know we got you at in at this time last year. We had an offensive plan sort of already set. We know who you are. Yeah. We know how to best utilize your skill set. And now that we're going into this and we can get you back on April 16th, I think that's when the off-season program starts, you can be with us through all this time. There's nobody else in the league that's going to be better prepared than us to take you to that next level. Well, I, that's the thing with him. If I'm him, I want to get to where I'm going immediately so yes. I can just get into the playbook. Um, now, you know, selling the Rams to him, I would say you're already in this playbook and you see what this team can do and what this is about. Mm -hmm. And okay, you had, you, you kind of flamed out or fizzled out against Atlanta, but that was year one. They have big plans for year two. And guess what? You're a big part of that. So, um, you know, some of that, look, the money and what you're being paid to do, that's a huge part of playing professional sports. You yes. all know this. Let's not, right. Let's not yeah, well, pretend. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's we don't a have huge to be part the bush of what we that. do and why we do it. Of course, right? It why should you... be. It, it absolutely should be. Absolutely. But the other part is is comfort. Uh, do you have a chance to win? And just being happy, man. I yeah. mean, look, the the only happiness in the league comes when you win. Trust me. I believe Joe it. Thomas. I love. You can't tell me that guy's happy in Cleveland. No. I know he's he's probably headed to Canton or he is headed to Canton, but I'm sure there's a part of him that wants to win. I remember seeing guys once they qualified for the postseason. Yeah. Seeing their faces change. Yeah. It's like load off. Yeah. We've made it. So, you know, why would you want to go someplace and start over again? Yeah. Um, versus here where the culture's already changed. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's I think, definitely a part of it. And a, a guy I think about that might be a decent comparison um, from last offseason is Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. You know, the, um, they did not give him a contract extension over in Philadelphia. He, or I'm sorry. They didn't give him a contract extension in Chicago, Chicago mm -hmm. right? And everybody kind of thought, oh, well, they franchise him again, and they didn't. And so then he goes to Philadelphia on a one-year deal, basically kind of a one-year prove-it deal, because Jeffrey's gone through some injury history in the past and whatnot. He proves it. They give him the contract extension in the middle of the season. And now he's going to be there for the foreseeable future. I and he's being sized for a ring. Yes, <laughs> right. that too. Yeah. So if that's 
it's not entirely the same no. because Jeffrey wasn't there before, but I think it's maybe a comparable situation. Yeah. In that, okay, if Sammy Watkins wants to increase his value even more and maybe potentially become a free agent again next year, yeah. one thing that might keep him in LA is I know this system, I know these coaches, I know the quarterback, and I know that I can play well here. So maybe True. I sign a short-term thing and bet on myself and then go into it again. Kind of like recruiting. Yeah, Sean McVay is not going anywhere. I mean, Chicago and all Sean Jeffrey, I actually thought they were smart not to give him a long-term deal with his injury history and with the coaching staff the way it was. Mm -hmm. There's going to be change and turnover if they can't get this right. But this is an established institution in Los Angeles. It is. This is Sean McVay's show. He's going to get old in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it's going to work. One way or another, yeah. One way or the other. So, I mean, like I said, happiness, stability, um, those are things you should also covet in your next contract, as well as being compensated. Yes, but that's the thing, too. I mean, there are going to be teams with significant amounts of cap space Mm -hmm. that are going to look at Sammy Watkins and they're going to say, yeah. Make it rain. Yeah, exactly. Right, and hope you get intoxicated by the money and say, and forget, oh, I'm going to, this coach is going to be fired in a year. Maybe. (laughs) Right, right. Or, I mean, and I don't know, like, how much speculating we can really do about this without getting into tampering waters, but, like, a team maybe, like. Don't do it. Don't even, don't. Just don't. Yeah, Famous last actually, words. Hold actually, my beer. You're actually probably right. <laughs> right. I'll just not do that until next week when it actually, um, when it actually starts. There you that go. Was a, what a good time out. Yes. And, you know, speaking of that, like, there are things that because we are team employees, we cannot really refer to until March 14th because we are not going to be the reason that the Rams get fined and, and or lose a draft pick. So, Yes. Veteran we'll presence. We'll, yeah. We'll leave it Whipper there. snapper. You can probably figure out what we're talking yeah. about. But it's going to make an interesting mailbag. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Stop fighting, kid. We're winning the game. Stop fighting. Vontez perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't try to, I'm not trying to push the If envelope. we win this game, we're in the playoffs. Right. You don't need to fight. You don't, anyway. need, to, you yeah. don't need to fight. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, but no, I, I think with Sammy Watkins that he's going to have some options. Yeah. But I think, you know, if you're making the pitch for Los Angeles, I, I think we kind of made it. Right? If it's close, stay home. Right. Yeah, stay where you're, you're, you're wanted and needed and mm-hmm. where you have a chance to ascend. Um, now, if somebody blows you away, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. and I don't <laughs> think anybody is going to, you know, no. have any qualms about that. Or you College is that getting expensive. <laughs> if you have kids, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow, my God. College I, is already expensive, man. What did I just hear the other day? Harvard's endowment is so big, they can send kids to college for free forever and never spend it. Forever? Forever. Forever? It's in the billions. It is in the billions. I know that. It's in the billions. So why are we making people pay? Well, (laughs) because you can't, can't, can't. Because you can't, can't, can't. Right. Anyway, so like I said, if somebody blows you away with money, then you have to look at that. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's fair. And that's the way this business works. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Rams definitely are going to try to mm-hmm. keep him. And, um, there's certainly the, the way that I saw it put, and I think Alden Gonzalez of ESPN did this, did this really well. So that LaMarcus Joyner is more of a necessity for this Rams defense. Sammy Watkins in some ways is a luxury for the Rams offense. I, I can see that. And, yeah, yeah. and, and I, can I don't see think that. that I don't want to downplay what Sammy Watkins did for the Rams offense last year because he was a huge part of it. I mean, you get eight touchdowns, seven of which come inside the 20-yard line. That, yeah. that, that's the money zone, right? The red zone, that, or the green zone, if you will. It's the money zone. That, that's where you need guys to step up and be their best. 
he was his best down there. And that's yeah. a lot of production that you wouldn't have if Sammy Watkins is not there. And one more thing. Remember, you drafted LaMarcus Joyner. Right. He's a Ram. True. You want to take care of guys that have done it for you. Yes. Yeah, so that, that makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, there's there's always a chance you can get Sammy back. There's a chance you can you can lose him. That's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. But guys like LaMarcus, LaMarcus, guys like Aaron Donald, guys like Alec Ogletree, mm-hmm. on that side of the ball, you don't want to lose. That's right. your core group. Exactly. Yeah. And those are the guys you want to take care mm-hmm. of. Um, one interesting thing about maybe Watkins' possible departure, and this came up a little bit at the Combine um, in McVay and Snead's press conference, is Josh Reynolds. And could he possibly step up and take that place should Watkins no longer be there? What do you sure. think of that? Sure, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's all about the offense. It's all about this is a high tech offense. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, described like the space shuttle. There's there's a thousand, a million moving parts just to get that thing off the ground. SpaceX. Okay, I like that. Nickname. Anyway. It's not, no, it's not a nickname. It's a company. I know. I'm just saying a nickname for an offense. Oh, Somebody's going to name the offense SpaceX. I oh, thought you just fun. did. I, I should have. I wish I were smart. I got it. I so you missed it. No, there's a lot of moving parts, but like New England, the, the New England model is, and I just read this. Um, I feel like I'm stealing it, but it does make sense. Like how the running back position is viewed now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it's you can change over every four years. They they say receivers could go that way too. Hmm. It, it's the offense and how you run it, yeah. and you know you, you don't want these big, long leapers anymore. You want receivers with their feet on the ground making precise routes, precise cuts, and getting the ball there on time and beating the defense that way. I think this is the way this offense is going to go. So yeah, I mean if if Josh Reynolds gets ingrained in this offense and he gets better, I think he showed promise. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got really good hands. Uh, if he really gets into the playbook and becomes Jared Goff's shadow and a guy he trusts, absolutely. Yeah. You saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, when he had a chance to play, he played pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I'm sure he's going to be looking for more. I remember going from year one to year two. Once you get that deer in headlights look out of your out of your face and you realize it's just football. I've been doing this my whole life. Now I'm really eager to show what I can do because I'm that much close, closer to free agency. Yeah, I could see Josh Reynolds making that big leap from year one and becoming a guy. Absolutely. A lot of wide receivers do that, too, mm-hmm. make that big leap from year one to year two. Um, and this is maybe not the best example because Antonio Brown is one of the best mm-hmm. wide receivers in the league. But he is one of those guys. You know, He's a fifth-round pick out of Central Michigan. And he goes to the Steelers, pretty anonymous in that first year, Mm -hmm. but you see year one to year two, you just see the explosion in production. And now everybody knows Antonio Brown's name. And, you know, if you're you're drafting in fantasy, you want to take him in one of your top picks because he is that productive. So I think, again, it's not necessarily the best, best comparison, Mm -hmm. but that jump from year one to year two can really be significant, especially with wide receivers. Absolutely. I heard people talking about him, like Ben Roethlisberger talking about him. Wow, you can get you can get open that fast, or you can get around that guy. You can put your hip on his hip that quickly. I can get you the ball. Yeah. Don't change anything. I'll get you the ball. Right. And then next thing you know, it's bang. Right. So Josh Reynolds, Jared Goff get yeah. on the same page. You mean you can get that deep in three steps? I can get you the ball. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can make you a star, yeah, Brett exactly. Favre style. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, remember who was that receiver he made in Minnesota? Sidney Rice. Does that name ring a bell to you? Yes, yeah. Sidney Rice, I mean, just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Favre just started throwing the guy bombs. 
-hmm. and all of a sudden he's in the Pro Bowl. Right. Well, that can happen here too. I mean, there's reps and there's opportunity out there. Remember, everything, theoretically speaking, outside of 30 and a few other guys, the depth chart's in pencil. Oh, you yeah. can go up well, or down in a heartbeat. Thirty, sixteen, ninety-nine. Yeah, um, you know, there's a few guys. You're the starters, right. but there's opportunity out there for everyone. Yeah, absolutely, and that that's part of it. I mean, when we start getting into OTAs mm -hmm. and, and all of that, I think it's going to be interesting to see the progress from year one to year two with guys like a Reynolds, like. Uh, a Gerald Everett, too, especially, because I think we saw flashes of what Gerald Everett can be. He can really kind of be your Swiss Army knife in the offense, but at the same time, tight end is one of the, the toughest positions to adjust to, is what people say, from college to the NFL, because mm. you're just doing so much. Um, and I think once a guy like Gerald Everett can get into things, really, you might see him start to flourish. I better. hope so. I would send him videos of that San Francisco game, that last one. Uh -huh. Week 17, I keep sending him videos of that game just to motivate him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is the lasting impression. This is what the 49ers think of you. Yes. Yeah, and this is what the rest of the league is going to think of you. Mm -hmm. Now, you got two choices. You can either run to it or run from it and get better. So, yeah, I think there's a lot left for him in this offense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's got a lot of ability. Now, maybe a lot was thrown at him, and he is a rookie, but... Like Cooper Cup, like Josh Reynolds, all these young guys, even guys going from year two to year three, you're expecting a jump. Right. Yeah. There was a changeover last year. You did great with it. Now you're expecting another big push from the right. football team. And I think, you know, I didn't bring up Cooper Cup's name intentionally because we saw a lot of production out of him, but mm -hmm. he's another guy where it's like, okay, year one, you were at a certain spot, you know, say you're here. Year two, why not be here? Mm -hmm. You know, and continue that jump yeah. and you continue to improve. Who was that? Was it Tory Holt or somebody tweeted out, uh, they were tweeting about Fitz and the numbers they put up, and they were small numbers. They were his drops throughout his entire career. And I think his career high is five. Mm. And he finished the year with zero, um, a lot. I think it was it was Antonio Brown okay. talking about Larry Fitzgerald, okay. like this is what I consider a pro. Same thing for Cooper Cup. Mm -hmm. Now you had the dropsies or some issues this year. Yeah. Well, from now on, become Steve Largent. Don't drop anything. Yeah, yeah. If you complete those passes, where are you offensively, and where are you as a receiver with your numbers? Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm, I remember talking to Les Snead about this, and I think he brought it up at the Senior Bowl and we sort of did at the Combine um, the last couple weeks as well. Cup is one of those guys um, where you see him and you know he's polished because yeah. you watched him on film from college. And then he goes to the Combine and then he runs a bit of a slower 40. Mm -hmm. And in some ways it's kind of like, Okay, that, it's one of those moments where it's like, that really doesn't necessarily match what I saw on film. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, ooh, it doesn't match what I saw on film, but he ran a little bit slower, so he might fall to where we can get him. And that's where the Rams kind of got a little bit lucky in that they were able to get Cooper Cup because he did not necessarily have the best combine performance. And now you see what he's yeah, done. I just, I, it's funny when you watch defenses. Don't even waste your time talking trash. One, he's not going to answer. Number two, he's going to hurt you when he comes back out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is that smart. He's that good. He's pretty good. He's really good at wherever they line him up. Mm -hmm. I mean, for whatever coverage. And as soon as the ball is snapped, he knows what you're in and – what your responsibilities are, and he's going to make you pay yeah. for making mistakes. He sees uh, the defense almost like a quarterback. That's yeah. what multiple guys um, have said about him. But I do want to talk more about the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Yeah, sure. Um, because it's one of those events that 
it's kind of the marquee event of the offseason in terms of everybody in the NFL being in one place. It's kind of like the NFL convention. Mm -hmm. More so than, in my opinion at least, maybe owners' meetings might be, the draft might be, because literally you've got the 32 coaches, the 32 general managers, some teams don't have them, but you know what I'm saying, in one spot. Scouts from every team, you know, reporters basically from every yeah, team yeah. And, and all around there. And it's it's a fun event for that reason because you get to see guys that you know from other teams, you know, like whether you're a coach and it's the highest level of that. And, you know, there are guys that you came in with or even if you're me and you see like reporters that mm -hmm. you don't necessarily get to see all the time but are your friends because you perform the same job and all that. But it's really fun. And I think the, the funny, one of the funny things about it is kind of the, there's a, a JW Marriott in downtown mm -hmm. Indianapolis and that's where pretty much the who's who of everybody stays. And there's kind of a skywalk. bar. It, yes, <laughs> fantastic hotel bar. Great bar, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, again, it's the who's who. Like, <laughs> right. So you will, you will see people from the NFL if you're down there. And I, mm -hmm. you see it all the time sometimes, like, got people just from Indianapolis. Like, I think I saw, like, people wearing jerseys that were probably at the NFL Experience um, oh, yeah. in the convention center. They, like, meander over there, and then they're just kind of, like, looking, like, who am I going to see down here? But if you really want to see people, you got to go to the second level because there's a Starbucks there. Mm -hmm. And so basically anybody who's everybody is going through that Starbucks on the way to the convention center. Yeah. So I'm talking like I saw we John Elway there. We all have caffeine addiction. Yes, exactly. John Elway was in line there. I think I saw Dan Marino in line. Nice. Um, John Lynch was sitting eating a breakfast sandwich one day. And, you know, Adam Schefter comes through there, Ian Rappaport, like, like mm -hmm. I'm saying, like, it's really everybody. Um, and so one day, you know, as you basically the way you do it is you walk from that hotel, you get past the Starbucks, there's a skywalk that you can go over um, to the convention center. And then from the convention center, you walk through to um, Lucas Oil Stadium mm -hmm. if you're a coach, a scout, whatever. All the media is situated now in the convention center, which is convenient, but inconvenient. Anyway. So, you know, you basically can see a lot of people walking through there. And so one day I ran into Matt LaFleur. Oh, yeah. The new offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, <laughs> former offensive coordinator of the L.A. Rams. And I just told him, I was like, hey, you know, congratulations. And he was like, yeah, you know, I think one thing he said was there's no hiding now. Right. Which is kind of funny. Um, but it is. It's going to be his first opportunity to call plays, which is cool. And the other thing um, he said was that, you know, it, it was kind of a tough decision to leave L.A. because – he and Sean McVay are so close. Right. And that's kind of like, you know, it, it, it I think kind of underscores the personal aspects of things, you know. Well, it, that goes back to the Sammy conversation. Hey, right. look, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Right. And sometimes this situation is just better. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, for him, it's, it's right. professional growth. It, and that is part of it. And you get to and, work with a quarterback like Mariota. And then on the opposite side, Josh McDaniels. You have a chance to be a, a, to be a head coach, and then you say, you know what? I'm comfortable where I'm at. Yeah. I don't want to leave here. So yeah. it just whatever makes you happy, whatever gives you that chance to be the best you can possibly be, that's the angle. That's the approach you have to take. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, it's it sucks. I hate when you do that. Usually it was the opposite way. What do you mean? When you were at the combine and you saw coaches that were here that got fired. Oh. That's different. It is different. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So and it's like honestly, hey. it's been kind of in that way yeah. the last few years. Right. Now it's like, yeah. hey, good to see you again, and I'll see you down the road. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not I'm glad you got a job. It's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> But another story um, from just walking through the convention center, 
um, I, it was Sunday, I think, and I'm on my way over to Lucas Oil Stadium, and somebody is sitting there, uh, I don't know, gentleman, maybe mid-30s, 40s. He's with his two kids, and I think his wife was there too, and he sort of stops and he's like, oh, what team do, do you work for? I tell him Los Angeles Rams. And he says, oh, wow, um, your coach, Sean McVay, just stopped by, and he was talking to my kids for nice. a few minutes. And yeah. I hope I'm not like embarrassing Sean McVay by telling the story, but um, what he said was that McVay couldn't have been nicer you know, mm -hmm. and that he was just so genuine. And he told me, like, oh, he signed the football. And he says, he signed it, we not me. He goes, what does we not me mean? Wow. I was like, huh, well, funny that you Did you tell have. him? All oh, right. I told him, of course I told him. <laughs> nice. I mean, but, yeah, you know, it's all about the team, and it's all about putting the, the team ab above the individual. Yeah. But I just thought it was, I think it's that emblematic cool. of who Sean McVay is, that, you know, stops, takes time, talks to the kids, signs the football. It just was a nice story. Don't ever lose that, I hope. Yeah. Because it's going to change at some point. As you get going. I mean, I remember when Sean Payton was the boy wonder. <laughs> and then, I mean, from that guy to where we are now, completely different guy. I know. <laughs> I know. But it is, what's funny, I mean, and McVeigh always says this, but I, I did tell him about that before we interviewed him on Sunday morning. And he goes, yeah, you know what? It's always better than somebody booing you. Right. That's true. This is true. So. Depends on why they're cheering you, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so those are just a couple yeah. of the behind-the-scenes things um, from the Combine. But. When it comes to combine performances, do you monitor the combine? How much do you watch it? I do, um, just for what we were talking about, to make sure that, you know, what you see on film, the stuff that really matters when you put on the helmet and shoulder pads, make sure the it matches what you see at the combine. Mm. Uh, if you think a guy's got quick feet, then you see it in the three-cone three drill. If you think this receiver has blazing speed, you want to see that time, you know, in the 40. Like, uh, what's the kid from Penn State, Barkley? Yes. Um, you knew he was fast. You knew he could be the best running back in the draft. Now, after you see this, he might be the best player in the draft. Right. Yeah, it might be hard to pass him up. So, it, it matters. It really does. But it's not football. It's it's drills. Yes. Um, it's, a, it's about health. It's about preparing. It's about all this concentration. But you're not carrying the ball, and no one's tackling you. So right. it matters, but not that much. What matters is what happens when you get to camp and when you put the pads on. But you want, you want to make sure that this guy you're seeing in sweats or tights or whatever they're wearing these days matches <laughs> up with the guy you saw on video. Right. Yeah, and quarterbacks is hard, man. Mm. You know, some guys, like I know, um, who was I talking to? Uh, it's hard for him to just drop back and throw to people in practice. He needs to have people coming after him sure. to get those juices going to where he's accurate. It's just one of those weird things. So some quarterbacks will look great at the combine, and then you put guys around him, and they look terrible, and you'll see the opposite. Right. Ugh, he looks terrible at the combine, couldn't hit anything. And yeah. then you see him in a game, and he's, wow, Right. he's a pro bowler. So um, just take it with a grain of salt. But what you really want to see is a guy that's prepared for it and really just – you know, looks like he took this seriously. Yes. It doesn't mean everything, but at least you took it seriously. Right. Yeah. And the, the thing about it is it's this a job interview, mm -hmm. right? And you're interviewing basically with all 32 teams, formally and informally, right? There are these formal sessions, and I wrote about this at therams.com if you have not seen that story, but there you get top 60 interviews and you get 15 minutes with them and it's basically like speed dating. These guys yeah, yeah. are going from one room to the next, to the next, to the next. And so what McVeigh and Sneed said that they were looking for, basically they try to watch film with these guys because they know that these players are prepared for questions and they're prepared for tough questions sometimes, but they're so prepared that it's almost like the answers are so rehearsed 
-hmm. that you kind of want to get under that layer of rehearsal and the way they try to do it is to watch film and then they start to see, okay, is this guy taking accountability for maybe a mistake? Does he understand the why of what he's doing within the scheme and different things like that? But it's just a lot of things to go through and like from a standpoint of like, I'm a reporter and I would, like interviewing for a job is tough enough. Like mm -hmm. when I interview for this job, it's tough enough. But thinking that, okay, you're going to go from this team to this team to this team to this team and that team. And that, it, that just seems like it must mess with your mind a little. And you hope it does. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're looking for body language. I mean, the answers to the questions. I mean, sometimes they're real questions. Sometimes they just want to see how you react to those questions. Sure. I've heard stories from coaches that said, man, they have closed their books within 30 seconds of hearing a guy talk. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's like I don't like the way this guy's talking. I don't like the where I don't like where his head is at. Yeah. He, he thinks he's God's gift, or he thinks he can't play. Hmm. You know, he has a confidence issue. Close the book. I like this guy versus this guy. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and when you're in those rooms, I mean, remember, it's not like a job. This is something you've dreamed about your entire life. Right. I mean, you're scared to death. You want to put your best foot forward. Right. And sometimes you do the exact opposite because you're so nervous, or you see somebody that you grew up watching. And he's interviewing you. Yes. And you're like, Mean Joe Green is talking to me. <laughs> oh, my God, what do I do? <laughs> so, so you're speaking from experience. Oh, yeah, place. yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the scariest things in my life was I'm getting ready to run the 40 at the Combine. Mm -hmm. And Art Shell stood up. And I, I'm looking right at him like, that's Art Shell. And he's watching me. <laughs> right behind him was Al Davis oh, with a yeah. stopwatch. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> This is my hometown football team. Yeah. I'm like, uh, Al Davis is watching me. I wish I could have called my mother right there. Mm. But I'm getting ready to run a 40. It's weird, man. It's just, it's a weird deal. Mean Joe Green actually was at the vertical pit when we're doing the vertical leap. Yeah. He was the guy that was measuring. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Mean Joe blanking green. Yeah. yeah. yeah you can't say that word. Yeah, and he looked at me and said, you ain't a little bit of nothing, huh? <laughs> He's huge, and I'm not. He's like, you had a little bit of nothing, huh? <laughs> like, oh, wow. Thank you, Mean Joe. How high was your vertical jump, though? I'm not even going to tell you. Uh, uh, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, uh, what, uh, what else do you remember from your combine? This is, I think, a good, this is a good insight into it because I don't think people really understand quite what players go through, and it's probably changed a little bit since... You know, you were going through this probably, what, a little bit before I was yeah. born? No, I'm just kidding. Stop it. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's guys that really, really, really prepared and took it seriously. Um, they stood out. Like, like, they played the game of the combine. I re there were two guys in particular that were, were getting ready to weigh in. And when you're in college or when you're playing football, at least from my perspective, is you always wanted to weigh in light. Because mm -hmm. if you're heavy, you had to run, it's bad news and all that sort of stuff. So we're weighing in, so everybody wants to weigh in close to their playing rate, right? These guys are downing, downing gallons of water in the hallway because they want to weigh in heavy, hmm. right? And it's all just water. So he weighs in at 320, 325, right? He loses that at night or during the day, and the next night runs a 4940, and he's an offensive lineman. Huh. You see what I'm saying? Uh, they're playing the they're game. They're playing the game. They're playing yeah. the game. Yeah. So it, it's like, wow, okay, I wish I would have thought of that. Mm -hmm. That sort of stuff went on. Um, you know, seeing other guys that you played against that you didn't think were necessarily great football players, but then you're competing against these guys in the same drills, and you see, wow, this guy's a fantastic athlete. Hmm. Yeah, A guy that you think, wow, he's terrible. We ran the ball at him. Now at the Combine, they're talking about him like he's a first-rounder. Yeah. It's like, what? Really? <laughs> 
that guy, <laughs> that guy, that guy, and it and then it happens, and you start to see, wow, well maybe how they were using him in college wasn't to to the best of his ability. Then you see him in the league, and he turns into a whole different guy. Right. So all this all happened at the combine, just weird stuff. But this is uh, what's different between now and when I was there. They didn't tell you how you did at the combine. Really? No one told you your scores. No one told you the reps they counted on your bench press. Wow. Yeah. You just do it and get up and move. That's it. Go to the next drill. Interesting. Yeah. Now guys know, um, and I think it's better that you do know, so you have a chance to compete and improve. Right. Yeah. Versus the opposite, where you're always thinking, was it good? How fast was I? Was that a fast 40? I thought I ran fast. Hmm. But you never know. That's really interesting. Well, it, it sort of stands to reason that the way that this has evolved now is because of media. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the first time I think they really broadcasted the Combine was in 2006, and I mm-hmm. may be wrong about that. Um, but it, before, it was always, I remember seeing it like an Instagram something of yeah. this. But it was, no, this is sacred. Like the sanctity of the Combine is not something that we want media involved in pretty much at all. I kind of agree. Really? Yeah, I mean... Athletically, fine. If you want to make fun of a guy like we did for us 40 times, so be it. I couldn't stand when we found out what guy scored on the Wonderlick. Oh, When that, that yes. stuff got out. Yes. That, that's, that's stuff that should remain in the combine. Yes, I, yeah. can, I absolutely agree on that. Yeah, that because, bothers me. Yeah, because <laughs> that's supposed to be confidential, and yes. then it ends up, you know, you start talking about people like their intelligence is based on this one thing where none of us really have taken a Wonderlick test. Well, I have not. You have, I yeah. should say. But... None of us in media really have, and it's. It, I think it's really unfair to, to denigrate young men like that. Or they, they equate a low score with being dumb. Yes. That, it could be the environment, man. <laughs> right? yes. You know what I mean? You never know. Right. Or a high score with intelligence. Yes. Yeah, it could be lucky. You never know. Right. But just when those things get out, that stuff bothers me. Okay, yeah. was there anybody else who, like, you saw and they intimidated you at Willie the Willie McGinnis. Yeah. Huh, okay. Yeah, Willie McGinnis. Um, it's, it just wasn't fair. <laughs> yeah, he was he was in front of me. Yes, he was in front of me when we were getting weighed and measured. Why? Because we're, we're in the same position. Though. But we were all D line at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were all okay, D- was, DL. Okay. So he okay. was right in front of me. All so right, fine. he goes up. I, what is he? Six six two forty five. Yeah, he's still and he still looks like he could do that. And now. you have to announce, you know, Willie McGinnis, defensive end, outside linebacker, this mm-hmm. and that, USC, blah 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 blah. And he's just, you know, an Adonis, Greek god. I, yeah, that yeah. Was, that's exactly the word that was in my mind that yeah. I was about to use. Yes. I get on the scale next. Right. DeMarco Farr, defensive tackle, 6'1", 265. <laughs> 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 thank you. Thank you, Willie. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I can, why couldn't I be at the back of the line or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just stuff like that. I mean, you start to see the biggest the strongest, the fastest guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that this game, the college game, has to offer, and they're all there. Yeah. So you're, you're you know, 50% proud that you've made it, that you're there, you're part of that group, mm-hmm. and the other 50% is just going, oh, my God, look at these guys in here. Right. Wow, this is a tough, tough environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts there. Competing for your job in the National Football League starts right there. Yeah. What about um, coaches or anybody else that you met and you're like, oh, my gosh. Uh, no, I mean, just those guys. Um, mean Joe was, was pretty intimidating because yeah. he was huge. And I heard some stories about him from guys that he coached in Arizona. Okay. Um, when he turned off the light and challenged them all to a fight. What? Yeah. The entire room. See, I've been like. Mean Joe Green got up in front of a professional defensive line group. 
not one guy, group, and said, I'll just turn off the light and we can go for it. And but no one moved. That's what I, I was going to say. Like, I mean, I'm still picking Mean Joe Green in that situation. Right. Mean Joe so, had to be in his 50s. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like he still could have kicked some butt to me. I don't no know. One like, I'm moved. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mean Joe, I mean, just those guys there. Um, special. I think that year, Big Daddy Wilkinson was the star of the draft. Okay. Um, he was huge. He was a monster. He could run, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you, you start to see the trends of. I guess professional football. If you're really looking, yeah, what teams are looking for and which guys are coveted? Yes, which body types are coveted? Yeah, well, it's funny. I mean, you say that that stuff about you know you you see different guys and you're like, oh my gosh, you kind of get big eyed mm-hmm. because uh, Monday morning quarterbacks Peter King reported this he said that Josh Allen, um, quarterback out of Wyoming, is going through his formal interviews, those top sixties, and he's in a room there. And he with the Dolphins, and he says to Dan Marino, it's so nice to meet you, Mr. Elway. Oh. At least he gave Dan Marino a couple rings, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's not where you want to start. Probably That's not. That's okay. Off, right. to a, off to a bad start. I remember that whole Jamarcus Russell thing. He can throw, throw the ball 80 yards from his knees. Yeah. You do realize that's a sack. <laughs> it's true just saying but but honestly though i mean and what sitting does where, it matter if he can throw it from his knee absolutely no but i mean where i was in the stadium when they were doing those yeah. drills like it's still impressive when you see this guy he just drops back yak, and the thing goes 70 yards in the yeah. air like it's it's impressive but again you're right like yeah. how much does it matter on a play-to-play basis i don't want to disparage anybody because this is a tough game and it takes special people to play it but guys that run like four two forties yeah in one direction how is that really going to help you on a football field? Oh, it's true yeah. right unless you're running away from somebody right but uh it's funny um we were talking to aubrey pleasant cornerbacks coach kind of about that mm-hmm. um on the last day of the combine and what he was saying he's like you know there are different types of speed they're like you know you're getting chased by a dog speed like yeah, you're just running speed, you know, and like you're you're chasing after somebody's speed. So sometimes, and it's again, it's about going back to what's on tape. What you see at the forty when you're just running in a straight line, that's not necessarily representative of how it is that you're going to be in a game situation. No, no, I, I don't think I've ever run forty yards in a straight line in the game ever. Right. Yeah. Um, there's always going to be somebody in the way. You're going to be dodging somebody, or you're going to have to make a move. It's right. Just, that's just the game. But right. same thing with a guy that benches seven hundred pounds. Yeah. You know, I mean, you ever seen a guy bench 700 pounds? It's probably, well. It takes about this long to get that thing up. Okay, well, how's that going to help you out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, plays over by the time you get that thing locked out. <laughs> uh, Just saying. Fun, fun fact on the 40-yard dash, it started originally because that was uh, so coaches could measure. That's uh, like they wanted to make sure that their guys on special teams could get to the return man in time for the punt to be in the air and come down. True. And 40 yards was the average distance of a punt back That's then. That's funny he mentioned that because, yeah. like, when you uh, when when I was a rookie and when you're on special teams early in the preseason, most of the guys out there, third and fourth quarter, are all rookies, right? Yes. So we're doing kickoffs, and we're beating receivers down the field, and our special teams coach is pausing it. Okay, at the combine, you ran a 4-4. This guy is a 5-flat. How is he ahead of you? Ooh. Yeah. So it's got nothing to do with speed. It's got, it's got everything to do with want to, right? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, how is he two yards ahead of you? Right. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something wrong with you? You got a bad hammy? No. <laughs> so you're just not running. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Right. And that's how you figure that out. Right. Um, one guy, though, I, I definitely want to bring up from the Combine is just Shaquem Griffin. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. I think. Stole it. Yeah. He definitely stole the show there and, and what he's doing and, you know, being able to fight through what he's been able to fought, fight through. Yeah, yeah. Has, uh, has there ever been a guy like him in the National Football? I cannot remember. I can't recall. I mean, the thing that, that comes closest to me is... Um, Tom Dempsey in the club foot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's what comes to mind. Um, no, I can't remember. There might have been... I can't remember a guy. Nor can I. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in the let's just say this: in the era of taking chances on guys, I think he's more than proved that he can play. Yeah. 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 With pads and without. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, he he owned the combine. When you watch him on film, that dude can play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we saw him at the Senior Bowl, wow. Yeah. Um, he's bigger than what you think. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's a guy like I wouldn't want to be lined up. Like, if he lines me up on a hit, I don't see him coming. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big hit. Not only will it's going to be a big hit, he could knock you out and right. knock you cold. He's that big. Well, the one thing about him and that I have seen, um, I, I wish I could remember who wrote this on Twitter, but it was basically, I think it was the bowl game, um, UCF and, and, Al, and Auburn, and basically they were like, okay, you can see everybody is playing at one speed, and then you look at Griffin, and he's just playing like his hair is on fire. Mm-hmm. And he's at a totally different speed in the fourth quarter. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, you talk about guys with a high motor, guys that you want around. If you're talking about a linebacker, that's what you want. Yeah, I, I don't see how that is a detriment. I don't. It's it, he's, he's playing about as well as you can play. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't think his deal is hurting him at all. Mm-hmm. So I hope it doesn't hurt him in the draft. Me too. Yeah. And even if it does, like, he seems like it's the kind of person that he's going to say, all right, you know. These these teams you you wanted to pass on me you wanted to take me you wanted to make sure I fell this low it's gonna be your friend. If you don't draft him, then everyone should lie to him. That's what I would do. Because you don't want to make him. You look, I really wanted to draft you, and I got outvoted. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't want that guy with a vendetta. No, probably not. Either way, it's gonna hurt. But if he's mad at you, it's gonna be worse. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really true. Anything else that stood out to you from the combine? No, just uh, you know, uh, watching guys perform. Um, I I think because of Baker Mayfield. Oh yeah. That whole interesting. Another story I forgot. Yeah, that whole interesting saga and which quarterback's gonna go first. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. Um, I think they all have a chance to be pretty good as long as they get to the right spot and they have great coaches around them. Yes. I think Jared Goff is a great example of yes. that. Yes. Um, but I don't mind a guy with swagger. I don't either. Yeah, I don't mind a guy with swagger at all, as, as long as it's directed in the right way. Exactly. And yeah. that's, a, that's the funny thing about Baker Mayfield. I mean, people want to compare him, which I sort of find a little bit irresponsible, to Johnny Manziel. And you can look at Johnny Manziel's history and you can say, look, there is a clear difference of uh, a probable substance abuse issue mm-hmm. that Manziel had that his father talked about in ESPN, the magazine. Did his father say he was, what did his father say about it? It was a, a crazy quote, like, it's going to be over for him soon if yeah, he doesn't it's stop. Not, yeah. Right, that's it's, his dad. Not, might not yeah. reach his ex-birthday yeah, or something. Yeah. Right, so like, that's not the kind of thing you're hearing about Baker no. Mayfield. What is driving Baker Mayfield is this ultra-competitiveness and so when you see him making an appropriate gesture on the sideline, like, should he have done that? Absolutely not. You're the quarterback, you can't. But I think it's a lot easier to maybe say, okay, let's pull that back just a second than to, than to be like, oh, you have, 
you're so awful off the field that we can't deal with you. Well, if that makes sense. And that, a- that incident itself started yeah. pre-game at that uh, coin toss where Kansas refused to shake his hand. Right. right. We have a difference of opinion. Oh, yeah, you can still be that guy mm-hmm. as long as you're still throwing 50 touchdowns. Well, <laughs> I don't mind that at all. Yeah, but you can't be that guy going 20 and 20. No, you can't. Yeah, you can't be that dude. Oh, no, sit your butt down. But if you're 50 touchdowns and six picks yeah. and we're in the playoffs, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah. you can, uh, what is that, production equal tolerance? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to be the guy that drags us into a street fight, as long as we're winning every single fight, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, another funny story about that, uh, about Baker Mayfield, I should say. So he gets on the plane. I was on the same plane as, like, basically half the Rams brass from mm-hmm. uh, Los Angeles to Indianapolis um, last Tuesday when we were all going to the Combine. So I'm talking, like, Les Snead, Sean McVay's there, you know, the who's who of whatever. So we're already on the plane. I'm seated a few rows behind of everybody that's important because I just, you know, when you're sleeping on the plane, like, I don't know, I just kind of didn't want them to be able to see me. It's just, it's a weird head thing. But all of a sudden you see Baker Mayfield come on the plane and, like, he ostensibly just looks like a guy, you know? Like, you don't know. Unless you know, you know. But I keep, I was, like, looking at him and I was like, recognize this guy from somewhere <laughs> yeah right and then um one of our producers who's also on the flight is like text like the the uh, oklahoma qb is on the plane i was like oh my god that's why i know who that ah, is okay but so we're on southwest so he's in group c apparently because he's getting on the plane as one of the last people on the plane and then you got the southwest people and the southwest flight attendants like i understand that they're trying to be entertaining but like we don't need to to make silly jokes the whole time I, just, I don't Lighten need up, that. Miles. I just don't need that from my <laughs> flight attendants. Like I, I don't. Just tell me what's going on, and like I don't need to hear like, oh, we're going to the next place today. Like, <laughs> like it's just, it's not wow. that funny. Sorry. Anyway, so Baker Mayfield is getting on the plane. Don't get on Southwest, Miles. But there's yeah. only middle seats left because yep. this is like the end of Group C, and so he comes almost toward me. And there's no seats basically anywhere else. And the flight attendants are like, you know, you guys all have to find seats like up there. So like Sean McVay is sitting there and I don't remember who he was sitting with, but Sean McVay was at the window seat and then there was a middle seat and then somebody else was in the aisle seat. And then Sean McVay is like, oh, Baker, like, hello. Yeah. And so then they sit next to each other for that wow. entire flight. Wow, compare notes. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so it was funny. I mean, that came out. I saw that happening, and I was like, oh, goodness. That's funny. Like, that's really interesting. And then Ian Rappaport <laughs> tweets about it. You oh, get, wow. Um, Alden Gonzalez, VSPN, writing a story about it. So I like it. They I figured I can share it here since I witnessed it in person. Hey, Coach, what do you like more about torturing defensive players? <laughs> I love it when they just run off the field with their heads down. How about you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love hard counts and draws, huh? Yeah. Get some offsides every time. Yeah. I hate you. But I mean, Big A was talking about it uh, the next day um, when he was after his press availability. And he was just like, you know, it's he likes – what he said was he likes to see a quarterback with some swag, too. Mm. He's like, I don't mind that at all. And it's, you know, it was good to talk to him and whatnot and just sort of, you know, chat for a little while. Mm. It's a four-hour flight. I'm sure they weren't yeah. talking the entire time. I, you know, if I had my pick, I'd rather have a guy with swagger versus a guy that was the opposite. Yeah, where well, you're not sure if it's like, oh. what, how important is this to you? Oh, my yeah. God. There were guys, and I, I will not say their name, so don't ask. But there okay. were guys that we played against. Off the air. And everyone that played with me knows who I'm talking about. But we could predict when he's going to go out of the game. Ooh. Oh, yeah. We can predict when he's going to get hurt. Yuck. And we were 90% right. Yuck. Right. We get here. We score here. He's going to quit. Boom. He's out. 
out. Every single year. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather have a guy with swagger that, that refuses to come out versus that guy. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, and that's um, it's an interesting sort of debate that you've got going on with these quarterbacks. And like, I, I'm not, I, don't, I wasn't sort of trying to code say things about Josh Rosen because mm-hmm. um, that's what some of the arguments for people are are with Rosen. Like, oh, I don't know how yeah. important football is to him, but I think it's a little bit ridiculous because the guy can play. Right, he can play. A, he can play. B, it, it seems like football is very important to mm-hmm. him. And, you know, from everything that has come out about him being in these interviews and whatnot, that you have that. But then you have a guy like Michael Lombardi, who I saw this in a tweet, and I don't remember who I saw it in the tweet from, but Michael Lombardi said, you know, you got to figure out if he wants to be a football player or if he wants to be, like, a humanitarian or something. Oh, wow. Didn't Lombardi like, get ripped at the, at the Eagles Super Bowl celebration parade, too? I think he did, Okay, yes. yeah. yeah. That's but just that's, his job, I guess. Right. Yeah. But then you... I, I saw J.J. Watt quote retweeted that with, like, this is ridiculous. This is basically amounting to what somebody else was saying about shut up and dribble, you know, yeah. with the LeBron James thing. And J.J. Watt, I think, is the perfect example of this because, you know, I know he was injured this season, but at the same time, J.J. Watt is a guy when the Houston floods started happening and they had that hurricane there. He raises, what, 30-plus million dollars, $37 million, I think, might have been the final tally. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you going to say that guys can't be football players and also use their platform to, to, to do good things. I hope that's not what Mr. Lombardi was referring to, but I, I do have a question about Rosen. And what was his name? I can't remember the guy. He was the punter, Chris Cluey, Minnesota's punter. And how that just kind of spiraled out of control, and you could not get him to stop talking on social media hmm. about it. And what I mean is how important football is to you. There's some things that you just can't say and do as a football player. Because it upsets the locker room. Yes, um, that I, I understand. I don't think guys like Chris Cluey get that or care about it. He's mm-hmm. going to say it no matter what it does, even if it's the truth. Right. It's going to blow up. It's going to do all this sort of stuff. So I, I would want to know if Josh Rosen understands the game. Or is he going to be a guy that says, hey, look, i got to point out every bit of whatever I see. Right. No matter what yeah. it does to the football team. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is, again, a production equal tolerance thing, right? Once you get to be established, mm-hmm. once you lead your team to the playoffs, once you throw 25 touchdowns in a season, 30 touchdowns in a season, you're going to be able to use your platform to say different things. Right. That, you know, even though somebody's going to be like, I don't like him when he says that. It's like, well, too bad yeah. we know this guy is a guy that can lead us to a Super Bowl. Two guys that will tweet after a hard practice. That was borderline illegal, so says the CBA rules. One guy says, woo, hard practice. Or like, you know, trying to get better, trying to get to the Lombardi. The yeah. other guy says, well, we put pads on and went out there and hit. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Which guy do you want on your team? Yes. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's something that um, teams definitely have to weigh. So two uh, non-football pop culture things I sort of want to talk about before we get out of here. Okay. A, I saw Black Panther and it was Nice. Great. Yes. yes. You see where I'm coming from? Yes. Yes. Absolutely, I see where you're coming from. Killmonger? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm like, I'm kind of team Michael B. Jordan a little bit. Boy, he played that role, didn't he? He was fantastic. Yeah, that was a great movie. Yes. Great story, great everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, what people talk about with representation and all of those things. Like, that movie gives you a lot to think about. Yes. And, I, oh my God, my daughter almost, she almost punched me because we watch The Walking Dead. Okay. We do. I don't watch that. You don't watch The Walking Dead? I don't. Okay. Um, good. The... One of the actor actresses that's in Black Panther is in The Walking Dead. Oh, right. And, I've, I've heard this. And yes. I couldn't place her when I'm watching the movie. 
<laughs> and she's like looking at me like, Dad, really? Dad, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, just just an awesome, awesome flick. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, well, I don't want to give it away. I mean, I feel like most people have seen it by now. Spoiler okay. alert. Uh, skip, well, you know. to fif- skip 15 seconds if you need to. Well, who's ever dead in comics? Superman died. This is true. Yeah, no one's ever dead in comics. I mean, all you saw was, like, the life sort of go out of him. Yes. And so I I was, uh, in the end, like, I was kind of hoping that, like, yeah. you know, that these two guys are going to team up and that they're going to see each other's priorities and, you know, whatever. But it's not the way it worked. And go that, ahead and Google search Killmonger. Just go through his whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've only, my, unfortunately, my familiarity with Black Panther is pretty much only the movie. Awesome. I can't wait for the, the, the sequel. I can't wait for the new Avengers movie. Oh, I love yeah. it. See, I really like these Marvel movies. Yeah. And this is like, I don't know why these Marvel movies are so good. Um, they, they just apparently have a really good formula that they I stick to. just read an article about that. Someone read, and I kind of agree with it. They said DC characters aren't cinematic. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But even, like, I enjoyed Wonder Woman, but I did not enjoy it as much as I enjoy most Marvel films. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember talking to my mom about this because she was like, oh, my gosh, like, it was it was a woman. She was kicking butt. It was awesome. And I, I think one of the elements to it that just kind of bothered me was that there's so much slow-mo in those DC movies. Oh, yeah, right. It's like yeah. every little action thing is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean? yeah. like, just, just get the punch off, like. I think, and that, yeah. and what Marvel does, I think, so well is that they like there are slow mo things in Marvel in the action scenes, but like you're still getting some action, you know? Right. I, know. I remember the big deal, like uh, was it Man of Steel, whatever, when Superman broke Zod's neck. That was a huge deal. Okay. Because Superman doesn't kill. Ooh. Batman doesn't use guns. That was it's a big deal. With huh. them. Marvel's a different deal. Yeah. I mean, Wolverine's got claws. He's cutting people's heads off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a different genre of comic than. If I had a choice for my little girl, you're going to read DC. You're not reading Marvel. Okay. Marvel will give you nightmares. Huh. Marvel's for dad. DC for kids. Okay. When you grow up, you can have these. Interesting. Yeah. All right. While you're a kid, Wonder Woman. All right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's one thing. Yeah. Two, have you ever watched The Bachelor? No. Okay. So Stop. I, no, I got I to wa- get this off. Because I've never watched The Bachelor until this year either. And like as you... Feel free to skip ahead 15 seconds if you yeah, need exactly. to. Yeah, exactly. But everybody in the studio is looking at me like I'm crazy, which is fine. That's fine. The Bachelor is not nearly the worst thing on television that I watch. Trust me. But, no, I mean, they, so you got this guy, Ari, right? And so apparently he's been, uh, he was one of the contestants on The Bachelorette before. Okay. But this dude, like, he's 36 years old. All the time he's been on this show, he's talked about, oh, I want to find, I want to end this with a proposal. I want to end this with a proposal. I want to find somebody I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. He proposes... To one woman at the end. Okay. They're together for like six weeks or so. And then he ends it, and then he goes to the contestant that he dumped and the other one. Like, the, What's wrong with that? Because he did it on national television and just embarrasses this person. I don't know. I just felt... It's the combine, man. See? Ugh. No, it's like, to me, He made it's the like, wrong choice. No, he did make the wrong choice. Yeah. And it's funny because the entire time the season, I was like, okay, he's going to pick Lauren for whatever reason. Like, he thinks Lauren is pretty or whatnot. You know the not. names. I watched the whole thing. Wow. So Becca is now going to be the Bachelorette. But I just think that, like, Ari is kind of a garbage person. and I So many spoilers in this episode. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just, I need to get that off. Because, like, I don't know. I don't think you need to treat people that way. Don't don't propose to somebody and then six weeks later say, oops, I'm my bad, and I'm going back with this other girl that well, I, that was the What if something changed? No. What he, if you realized something? Well, then you shouldn't have proposed in the first place. So you want him to realize I made a mistake. I, I asked the wrong person to marry me and then marry that same person. We're, no. ass- we're assuming that the people on these shows are just like the most sane and logical thinking people. You're on The Bachelor. Come on. I mean, I guess that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I, but I, it bo- Isn't that the whole point of the show? No, it is. But it just, I, like, I feel like if you're 36 years old, like you ought to have some kind of self-awareness to say, I probably should not propose to this person if I'm not 100% sure. Th- yeah. This fool, he goes on there and he's Call like... fool. I did. Uh, yeah, well, but he's I, like... Oh, I, I made up my mind this morning. Like, what? To propose to somebody? Wow. I don't know about that. I well, don't know about that. It's not a coin flip. You're trying to spend the rest of your life with did somebody. Did you tell That's me you watch enough. Car Races for the Rex? Um, I mostly, I watch No, you watch skating figure skating for, to see, to them, see fall. them fall. I did say Do that. Do you really watch The Bachelor to see them hook up or to see people get turned down and rejected? No, I, I watched it because there are people around me that were watching it and I thought it would be an, a nice okay. shared experience. Amer- I will never watch it again, though. I didn't like it. I only watched the first week and a half of American Idol. Oh, because you like to see the people get booted off? J- just, American Idol coming back this yes, Sunday just, at 8 o'clock. Pacific. I'm in it for the bad auditions only. On ABC. Yeah. yeah. That's all I'm in it for. I don't the know if they're going to do that, Lau. There's got to be horrible it. auditions or I won't watch. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, okay. it's going to be Katy Perry, um, Lionel Richie, and Luke Bryan now are the coaches. Oh, wow. Brian Seacrest is still the host. Who's going to be the mean guy? Who's going to be the mean person? I don't know. Yeah, somebody's they didn't be really mean. have a mean guy in the last few um, seasons when it was Somebody's got to tell you you stink. I mean, Harry Connick Jr. was kind of that guy. Yeah, yeah. Be honest. But yeah. I don't know. I, I wish they had been able to get Randy Paul and Simon again. And, oh. Like, really get the band back together. Tell people, see, be honest with players. You can't play. <laughs> Son, it's time to get on with your life's work. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's honestly the best way to go about Same. things sometimes. I, I love the first week and a half. Be honest with them. Yeah. Yeah. You can't play. Um, so before we get out of here, last parting shot. Free agency starts next week. One yeah. position that you would not mind seeing the Rams address through free agency. What happens to Tremaine Johnson? We'll see. Yeah. Um, McVay and Sneed both said we want Tremaine back. There's a scenario that Tremaine could be back. So we will see there. That's Under the radar, terrific season. And how can you be under the radar when you make 17 million bucks? How many touchdowns he allowed? One. Yes. I, I, that's, that's like tied for tops in the league. Mm. That's a tremendous year. So, I mean, I still want that guy in the room. I want that guy back. Okay. I don't know if that's going to happen. All right. Yeah. You didn't I don't really... know what the money, I don't know what the dollars are yes. going to be. Yes. Right. Um, but addressing anything in free agency, you got to get a wide body, if you ask me. Uh, a nose tackle. You have to get a wide body that in there. That was what I was going to say, yeah. Yes. You, I mean, there's a, a guy like a Linval Joseph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a guy that just eats space. Aaron Donald is a pass rusher. He is terrific. He is tremendous. You've got speed at linebacker. What you need now is some mass yep. up front. You need somebody that just refuses to move. Yes. Yeah. And then I think you'll fix that leaky defense. Mm-hmm. All right. No, I agree with you. I think that if the Rams could address nose tackle mm-hmm. this offseason, whether it is through the uh, through free agency or the draft, like that, that is a big spot mm-hmm. that they can use to get better with that run defense. And not a guy that you're trying to play there. I'm talking a true nose. Yes. A guy that just does that. Yes. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us here inside the Ram Studio connected by AT&T. Thank you to our producer, Matt, to DeMarco Farr. Thank you, Elizabeth, our trainee, for hanging out with us in the studio. And Ari from The Bachelor. Yeah. No, Ari stinks, man. Uh, that's enough. Just cut it off. We'll see you next time on Between the Horns. <laughs>